Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. Here we go. Let's pray. Father God, we sang about it. Give me Jesus. That, may that be the cry of our hearts. May we truly, truly desire. You can have the world. Give me Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I've decided to follow Jesus. Even if none go with me, I will follow Jesus. May, may that be the cry of our hearts this morning. So God, as we uh, look into your word, as we, we, uh, as we look about, what it, as we talk about what it looks like to be intentional, may that be the cry of our hearts. Give us Jesus. In the awesome, powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. So again, my name is Pastor Grant. I'm one of the pastors here. It is my honor, privilege to uh, speak to you this morning. Um, next Sunday is Palm Sunday, and we're also going to do baptisms, and I cannot be more excited. Um, I love that celebration. I love that outward expression of what Jesus has done on the inside. So if this is something you're thinking about, if you've been praying about, should I, should I not, here's your sign, right? If that's something God's laying on your heart, well, I can't think of a better time to get baptized than on Palm Sunday in front, in, amongst all these people that you call friends and family. And uh, so let me encourage you to do that. And then the next Sunday is Easter Sunday, which is again, a very, very, awesome, powerful celebration of life in Christ. So looking forward to the next two weeks. Today, we are going to talk about how we grow. And I'm going to start out with a couple of, I would say, very familiar scriptures. So I'm going to start out with a couple of very familiar scriptures. And I'm going to start out with the, in Matthew, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. In our modern day Bible, the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. Three chapters, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. Um, and at the end of chapter 7, again in our Bibles, uh, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it's almost like Jesus said, okay, here's all these great teachings, here's all these life change transformational teachings. And oh, by the way, one last thing, you're going to need to have a solid foundation. Well, by the way, so here we go. Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching, 
the Sermon on the Mount, and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it has been built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rain and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Build your house on the rock. Build your faith on the bedrock that is Jesus. Moving on. Further along in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, again, probably a very familiar passage, the parable of the sower, the the parable of the sower, the parable of the four soils. Verse 3, he told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds, and as he scattered the seeds across his field, some fell on a footpath. And the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on a shallow shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much that has been planted. Then moving down, further down in Matthew chapter 13, starting in 18, um, Jesus explains the parable. Jesus explains this parable. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seeds that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are are persecuted for believing God's word. The seeds that fell amongst the thorns represent those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly, truly hear and understand God's word and produced a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much that has been planted. Why share that? Well, many times I've stood up here and I've shared those exact passages. I've shared the passage of build your house on the rock. I've shared the passage of the parable of the four soils. I've shared the what, and I've even shared the why, but it it has occurred to me that I've never shared the how. I know, conceptually, I get it that I'm supposed to build my house on a rock. I get it that my desire should be, my heart be that fourth soil, the fertile soil that produces 60, 30, 100 times. I get it, but how? How do I do that? So today, we're going to talk about the how. And we're going to talk about the importance of spiritual disciplines. Or to put it another way, the, the importance of spiritual intentionality. 
not discipline just for discipline's sake, but being intentional about what you do, being intentional about being disciplined. And not, I'm not talking about works-based salvation, right? We can't do enough to earn our salvation. But I am talking about doing works, being intentional because of your salvation. If you are truly saved, if you are truly a believer, truly a Christian, you should be about the Father's work. And I'm also going to talk about my personal journey. See, I grew up very, in a very, very legalistic culture. And when it came to tithing, when it came to the Sabbath day, when it came to reading the Bible, when it came to prayer, when it came to fasting, when it came to all these what I'll call spiritual disciplines, it was all about doing enough good works and then maybe perhaps sliding in the side door of heaven. It was all about works. So my journey, all these years later, I'm still trying to navigate doing these things, being intentional about being disciplined in the spiritual disciplines because of my salvation, not to earn my salvation. Why do I share that? Well, that's part of my story. But maybe that's part of your story too. Maybe you grew up thinking, don't want to go to hell? Read your Bible. Don't want to go to hell? You better give your money. You better do, you better jump through this hoop and this hoop and this hoop, or else all hope is lost. So I don't want you to live there. I'm not here to talk to, to oppress you. I'm here to help you find freedom. Freedom. And out of that freedom, then get in the word. Then be about prayer. Then be about the other disciplines. So, 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 so to kind of, I'm going to talk about three particular disciplines today, okay? What would you think if I stood up here and I'm like, okay, welcome to Journey Church, and we're going to talk about money or music, right? Somebody would be like, oh, I told you, they're all about the money. Very few of you would be like, oh, it's about time, right? So, but then we're not going to talk about either one of those today, so you can relax. That's another sermon for another day, okay? We are, but we, we are going to talk about three particular strands that I, that I want to focus on today. Um picture of a rope, right? The more strands, the stronger the rope, right? So the more disciplines, if you will, the more intentionality that you weave into your life, the stronger the rope, right? Again, I just picked out these three. You, you might have your own you're working through. These are the three that I feel that we need to talk about today. First one, pretty simple. Be about being in the Bible. Be about being in the Word of God. Pretty sure most of us already know that, right? We already know, yeah, I should read my Bible. And if most of us were honest, we, sh we would say, I should probably read it more. I should probably read it more. I agree. Not here to talk about that. But here, here's what I will say. Seek first the kingdom of God. Again, how do we do that? 
Well, there's many ways. This is certainly a way. Seek first the kingdom of God. So, back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 27. Can all the worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. Don't they work and make their clothing? Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. Again, the cares of this world. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Above all else, seek the kingdom of God. The Bible also says above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, seek the kingdom of God. Be about being in the word of God. So years ago, um, my wife and I were in a small group. We were leading a small group. And we were kind of talking about that, being intentional. And it was a marriage group. And one of the wives said something very profound, kind of in passing, but it really had an impact on me. She said, you know... I look across the room at my husband and I think, sometimes I think, man, what a stud. And sometimes I look across the room and I think, man, what a jerk. And most of the days are somewhere in the middle, right? Most of the days. But then she went on and she said, here's what I know. My husband, no matter where, what I think of him that day, I know that he's willing to seek wise counsel from other men. And I also know this. I know that man is in the word of God every day. So I know that if God has something he wants to talk to him about, he's going to do it. Because I know that man is in the word every day. And I was like, wow. What an amazing statement. Can I say that? Does my wife know that I'm in the Word every day? Do my kids know that? Do my friends and family know, no matter what, this is in my face every day? And again, not some legalistic check-the-box, do-it-or-else kind of way, but in a real intentional, am I doing this kind of way? And does my wife know that I am? And do my kids know that I am? Hopefully. Can my wife say that about me? Is it a priority in my life? Now, I get it. We all go through seasons of life. We all have times of life where we're super busy, right? I get it. We all do. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being intentional no matter what season you find yourself in. No matter where you find yourself in life, be about the kingdom of God. Or let's, let's simplify it. Let's look at it maybe a, a very easy, simple, a different perspective. 
we have a savior, right? We serve the great I am. We have Jesus as our savior, most of us. And we also have an enemy, right? Who wants us to read it and who doesn't? Simple. Start there. Okay, point number two today. Strand number two, prayer. Be about being intentional about your prayer life. Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. Pray like this. Our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive our sins. As we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let anyone yield to temptation. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Verse 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. That's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day. So as I've processed this and as I've been challenged by this personally, and as I've talked with other people about this personally, in a moment of honesty and transparency, I've missed it. I've been a Christian 20 years. Um, been walking with Jesus since 38 years old. And, I, and again, I get, I understand conceptually I should pray. I get, I should pray, right? I'm not talking just about praying for your meal. Okay, I get I should be about the father's business and I should be about this discipline, but I've missed it. God being God has rebirthed that passion, that fervency in my heart. And God being God is not beating me up about the past. But what am I going to do moving forward? I, again, I, I get it. I should be praying. It's been, it's been revived, if you will, reborn in my own life. And not just because I'm here, not just because I'm standing here, or not just because it's the right thing to say in this moment. It's just true. I feel like I've missed it. But now what? Moving forward. Here's one of my desires, or should I say our desire. This house would be called a house of worship. This house would be called a house of prayer. That's my passion. That's my passion. James 5, 16. The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 
So I started a prayer group called Fervent. It's a men's group. Whoever shows up is who shows up. I open the doors. We're going to pray. We're going to pray fervently. We're going to go. We have access to the throne room. Why would we not go there? Come boldly to the throne room. Hebrews 4.16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. If I was to ask you, myself included, describe to me your prayer life. Would bold be a word that you would use? Not in some name it, claim it kind of way. But as a believer, we, again, we, I think we get, we have access to the throne room. Why would we not go there? Why would I not go there? Now I could give you quote after quote right here. Here's my favorite quote. Oswald Chambers. Prayer is not preparation for the battle. Prayer is the battle. Prayer is not preparation for the battle. Prayer is the battle. Again, we have a savior, we have an enemy. Who wants you praying, who doesn't? Right? Pretty simple. Anybody in here have someone in their life that doesn't know Jesus, right? Anybody in here, you have somebody you've been praying for? Anybody have somebody in here that like, you're not sure where they're at with Jesus? Pray more than you preach. Pray more than you preach. Yes, they need to hear the gospel. Yes, they need to hear the truth. Chances are they already have. Are you praying for them? They don't need you to preach to them. Probably not again, right? Go to the heavenlies. Go to the throne room. Pray more than you preach. Pray more than you preach. I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. Maybe. Maybe that's what you're saying. I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. Pray scripture. I just learned, I just heard that this week. I was talking, listening to a guy, he was talking about knowing for years and years and years and years and decades that his mom and dad were praying for him. And he knew his mom and dad were praying scripture over his life. No matter what he chose to do with it. He knew that they were praying scripture over his life. Pray scripture. Now again, we, do, we have opportunities here at church. It doesn't need to be a corporate gathering. Obviously, we pray on Sunday morning. I have my men's prayer group. There's other prayer groups going on. We have worship nights. We have pray, praise and prayer nights. There's opportunities for corporate prayer, right? What might God be asking you to do in your prayer life? Seek first the kingdom of God. So the third strand we're going to talk about today, fasting. Again, you could pick a discipline. This is the one I, I'm working on myself in life. This is one I'm trying to weave, if you will, into my foundation, into the strength for the cord, for the life, for the journey. Fasting. Again, not some legalistic do it or else kind of way, but okay, God, what would you have me do here? What would you have me do when it comes to weaving fasting into my life? Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. When you fast, 
And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled people so people would admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they'll ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows that you do it in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. So as, as through my journey of this, how do I weave this into my life? I heard something. I don't know if I got it from a sermon, from a book, from another pastor. I don't know. But it like really like woke me up. And it was this. Hypothetically, let's talk hypothetically. Let's say a, a, a Christian from 100 years ago. Heck, maybe even 50 years ago. Let's say he showed up in your life and he hung out with you for a week. He went to church with you. He lived your life with you. You just, you know, every day, the ebbs and flows of life hung out with you. He would have some questions, right? He would have a question about how we do church. He would have some questions about, you know, what do you do? A question I believe he would have, when do you fast? Because it was just assumed. As a believer, the Bible says when you fast, not if you fast. Right? When do you fast? And again, I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to just ask you. What does this look like? It's not for me to say, this is what it must look like for you. I am simply asking you to consider, what might this look like in my life? All of this, but when do you fast? So, um, about 10 years ago in Cheyenne, I'm going through pretty much this same sermon, only in a men's discipleship setting. And I'm at a uh, church there in Cheyenne, a Baptist church there in Cheyenne, and we're talking, and we're talking about being in the Word, and okay, we got that, and like, you know, getting some of these, and you know, we're talking about um, being in prayer, and like, okay, yeah, you know. Then we get to this piece, and I start talking about fasting, and it was just like, like I just lost everybody, right? Like everybody just got this kind of glazed over look and I'm kind of like, you know, cause you can tell, right? So I'm like, so, so I'm preaching it harder. Like I'm, I'm also yelling at them and it's like, it's not having any effect. They're just kind of like, and I'm like, what's going on? Like I'm confused. And, uh, my friend, my good friend, John, who had been through the course a couple of times and been with me for many years, John's in the back and John goes, I'm like, yeah, John. And he goes, I don't think you understand. I'm like, all right, John, what don't I understand? He goes, I don't think you understand. We're Baptists. We've never missed a meal. <laughs> like, okay, let's close in prayer. That's all I got. We're, you know, and I was just like, wait, what? You know, what did you just say? So anyway, I actually called him and asked for permission to share that story. He's like, of course you can. So again, that's his tradition. That's how he grew up, right? And so here he is, you know, pushing 60 years old, and here's some dude going, when do you fast? And he's like, what are you talking about fasting? I've never missed a meal in my life. Like, okay, well, moving on. Anyway, so it makes a great story, but it just, it just spoke to me. This is the tradition. This is the lifestyle. This is what he was used to. Fasting was not, not even something he had ever considered putting in his life. So maybe this is your cue. 
Now, let me say this. I know that there's physically some people that can't fast. I get it. I understand that. But I also know that there's some of us that just won't. I know that. And again, it's not some magic formula. Step here, step here, step here. Then God will. And he might, but he might not. Again, I'm not here to tell you what it has to look like. Okay. So what's the goal? What's my, what's my purpose? What's the goal of today? Strength for the journey. Spiritual strength. Right? Weaving, building, again, building on that foundation. Becoming that fertile soil. Being intentional about these disciplines. Right? Being intentional about being about God's business. Strength for the battle. But most importantly... Communion with God. Time with the Lord. Fellowship with the great I am. Why would we not want that? Fellowship with the great I am. Why would we not want all of the training available? And I know we live in a busy world. And I know we live in a loud world. And I know there's all kinds of junk and noise out there. I get it. Maybe like never before. We haven't been invited to have fellowship with the creator of all things. Why would we not go there? Why would we not seek the training? So I just retired 30 years of free delay. And so 30 years, five, year, five days a week for 30 years, I jump in a chip truck, I go do my route, I, I go clock out, I go home. A couple years ago, I have a route downtown Salt Lake City. Every morning, five o'clock, boom, this store. One of these mornings, like many years before, I park, put my vehicle in park, get my hand held out. And all of a sudden I hear... And I look over to my passenger seat. There's a guy trying to open the door. There's this homeless guy trying to break into my chip truck. What do I do? Well, let me back up. For years and years and years with Frito, 30 years safety training, one of the things they taught you, if you don't feel safe, Leave. If you don't feel safe, leave. I'm like, hey, you know, all these seamlessly, seemingly useless safety meetings. The one moment I needed it, it was right there. Automatic. I didn't even have to think about it. If you don't feel safe, leave. So I calmly just reached over, put the car, put the truck in drive and drove away. Why do I share that? Why do I share that? Not if the storms are coming, but when are you ready? Have you done the training that it takes to be ready in that moment? Automatic. Have you? Again, for years, I thought that safety training was stupid. But the moment I needed it, 
the moment it was automatic. The obvious spiritual parallel is if you're not building on the foundation, if you're not doing the work, if you're not doing the training, again, not for some legalistic thing, but for some being about the business of God thing, if you're not doing the training, when the storm comes, will the house stand? Maybe. So one last thing. And then we're going to be about prayer. In the book of Acts, chapter 4, Stephen, if you're around, you can come up, please. Stephen. Book of Acts, chapter 4. Again, not to make this passage say something that it doesn't, and not to preach this sermon another day. Peter and John are before the council. And they had just healed somebody in the whole thing. It was just this whole... So here's Peter and John before the religious elite because they weren't playing by the rules. Right? Verse 13 says this about Peter and about the... When, when the religious elite, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that Peter and John were uneducated common men and they were astonished. Yet, they recognized they had been with Jesus. Now, in that setting, they had obviously recognized these guys had walked with Jesus. Why do I share that? Out there in the real world, out there in life, in your reactions and interactions with people, can they tell you've been with Jesus? They perceived that they had been with Jesus. In my life, can people perceive that I have spent time with Jesus? Or not? So here's my invitation. We're going to spend some time with Jesus. We've got a couple prayer stations over here. I'm going to stand right here. Stephen's going to be strumming his guitar. Give me Jesus. So as a Christian, if you're a Christian in here, my invitation, let's spend some time with Jesus. If you're not a Christian in here, let's meet Jesus. I don't know what God's been speaking to you today. I don't know what, what God has maybe has shown you, what the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart today. Let's spend some time with Jesus. The altar is open. I'll stand right here. Jesus, or Stephen will be here. Jesus is here. Jonathan's over there. Allie's over there. Let's spend some, spend some time with Jesus. So I'm going to pray. Stephen's going to sing a song. We don't have to spend time with Jesus. We get to. We don't have to be here. We get to. We don't have to have fellowship with the great I am. We get to. 
Why would we not do that? God, thank you for this day. God, I just thank you for the time of fellowship with each other. But more importantly, God, time of fellowship with you. God, if we don't get, if we don't get our lives right with Jesus, nothing else matters. If we don't get this right, nothing else matters. The cares of this world, the, the worries of this life don't matter. God, help us to get this right. Help us to spend time with you. Help us to be about the spiritual disciplines, the intentionality of building on the rock. Help us to be those people. Help me to be that person. Help me to be that guy. God, I just pray it is in here if they're laying on their hearts to be bold, to come forward, to ask for prayer, that this would be that moment in their lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.